This episode of HBR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hello and welcome to Hacker Public Radio. My name is Mike Ray. In this show I'm going to explain the best, what I think is the best and possibly the only way to implement a many-to-many relationship in a database. This has been triggered by some discussion between Ken and Dave um, about many-to-many relationships in databases, uh, which has been uh, seen and heard on community podcasts and emails. I believe there was some discussion, some good-natured ribbing between them about the way in which Ken implemented a many-to-many relationship in some mechanism to do with the website. One of the first tasks in designing a database is the identification of the entities which will be contained and managed by that database. And more often than not, an entity will have its own table. There will be a one-to-one relationship between an entity and a table in a database. Exceptions to this rule will be where the software demands otherwise. Sometimes, for example, there are e-commerce systems which are designed using object-oriented technology and they demand a greater degree of granularity in the data and that might give rise to a situation where a single entity could occupy more than one table. What do I mean by entity? Um, If you can imagine designing a database for an e-commerce or a sales ledger, some kind of mechanism by which you're selling products, either either via a website or by more traditional means, Um, your database will probably contain such things as customer data, invoice data, uh, invoice line data, because an invoice can contain more than one entry, uh, products and other related things. Each of these is an entity. When you've identified the entities in a database, they are often represented on a diagram by um, a diagram which contains rectangles, one for each entity, they contain a label, for example, there'll be a rectangle 
with the word customer inside it which represents the customer entity. Perhaps another box which represents the invoice entity. And whatever entities exist in the database will be joined together by lines which join the boxes. These lines indicate the nature of the join between the tables. For example, a customer, a single customer can obviously make more than one visit to a website or a shop and make more than one purchase. So one customer could give rise to many invoices. So the relationship between a customer entity and an invoice entity is a one-to-many relationship. And that is represented on the diagram by a line drawn between customer and invoice. And at the invoice end, which is the many end, the line splits into what is generally known as a crow's foot, which is a little three-pronged shape, just like a, the foot of a crow or a chicken. And that touches the box which contains the entity of which there are many. In fact, there could be just one row in the invoice table because, of course, a customer at some point will make his first purchase. So a one-to-many could be more correctly described as a one-to-one-or-more relationship. You could also describe a one-to-many relationship as a many-to-one if you're looking from the other end, if you're standing, if you like, at the invoice end looking towards the customer then what you have is a many to one many invoices a collection of invoices can have or will have the same customer ID if you find that in your database you have a one to one relationship then there is probably an error with your data analysis the rules of database normalization state that all of the entries, all of the columns in a single row in a database relate to the primary key, the primary identifier of that entity. So a customer obviously has a name, but the name is often not unique. So the customer is, is issued with a customer ID and then the customer name customers gender age um, n number of other things related to the customer will be stored against or keyed by that index and if you have another table which is a one-to-one -one relationship with a customer it probably belongs in the customer table and combine two tables into one so what about many-to-many -many relationships well these are not as common far less common than a one-to-many relationship. Um, one example, and, it, and actually the example I use here, is in the implementation of a music database. Uh, the, in this case, the database contains two entities, uh, an artist and a genre. Now, it's obviously there's going to be multiple artists and multiple genres and it's conceivable that a single artist may appear in more than one genre and it's absolutely certain that a single genre 
will probably have more than one artist. So this gives rise to a many-to-many -many relationship. But in defining a many-to-many -many relationship in a database, we do not and cannot simply join the artist and the genre table and have a crow's foot at both ends of the line which joins the tables. And the reason for this should become clear when I explain about foreign keys and um, trying very hard not to violate the rules of data normalization. A foreign key is a column contained in what is often called a child end of a relationship. So in this, in the case again of the customer and the invoice, the customer it can be thought of as the parent entity and the invoice as a child entity. And an invoice row will contain a column which corresponds to the customer ID. And this is indexed, not uniquely indexed, but indexed and contains the customer ID of the customer making the purchase which is recorded by the invoice. This column, the custom ID column in the invoice table, is known as a foreign key to the customer table. Now, if we were to try to join two tables together and have a crow's foot at both ends of the line and, and join artist and genre in a many-to-many, -many, then this would suggest that the genre table will contain a foreign key for the artist ID and the artist ID and the artist table will contain a column which is a foreign key into the genre table. This is nonsense and it's a mess because it absolutely busts wide open the rules about data normalization because now the artist entity, the artist table, contains a column, a data item, which does not relate to the artist. It doesn't identify the artist. Okay, it identifies a genre to which the artist can belong, but it does not identify the artist. And breaks it kind of creating this kind of circular relationship it just breaks the rules of, of, of data normalization it's hard to hard to explain but it does so how do we generate or represent a many-to-many -many relationship in a database well if you can visualize for a minute the two tables artist and genre joined together by a straight line with a crow's foot at each end. Now cut that line in the middle and plop another table there and then spin the two halves of the lines through 180 degrees. So now you've got customer uh, the, the central table, the table in the middle is called a cross-reference table and I always suffix these tables with xref short for cross-reference so in a worked example 
um, there, there would be an artist table, a genre table, and an artist X, uh, artist genre XREF table. So the artist now has a one-to-many relationship with the artist genre XREF table, and the genre table has a one-to-many relationship with the artist genre XREF table. What does the artist genre XREF table contain? Well, it simply contains two columns, an artist ID and a genre ID. And these two columns are not permitted to contain null, so they're de defined as not null constraints in the uh, data definition. And there is a single index which is a compound unique index using both of those columns. So you would create an index, give it a unique constraint and use both of the columns in the creation of the index. And what that does is to ensure that there can only be a single row where an artist and a genre are contained. Now this is all getting a bit esoteric and a bit abstract and confusing. So in the show notes you will find all of the code which implement this real world example of artist and genre in a partial music database system implementing a many-to-many relationship. And what I have used as an RDBMS in this case is SQLite, that's S-Q-L-I-T-E, which is the world's widest, most used RDBMS. Uh, that's a very grand claim, but it's a claim which is perfectly justified because if you have a smartphone, be it a Blackberry or Android phone or iDevice in your pocket, or if you have a satellite TV receiver or a TiVo at home, then chances are each of those devices containing an embedded operating system, be it some flavor of Linux or uh, whatever the Apple um, operating system is, or Windows CE, or whatever Windows phones now contain, they all probably use SQLite. In fact, they almost definitely do. So that's why SQLite can and does live up to the claim uh, that it's the most widely uh, used RDBMS in the world. Now, SQLite is very easy to install on Linux. Um, in fact, a lot of the packages that are contained or installed on a Linux platform will already make use of SQLite, so you probably have SQLite libraries and development libraries, but you may need to install the interactive prompt. Um, on Arch Linux, it's called SQLite 3. Um, in the show, I can't remember exactly what it is on Debian and Ubuntu, but it's in the show notes anyway. So once you've installed SQLite 3, you then have an interactive prompt, which you can enter, create a database, 
and merrily create and populate tables and run queries. Um, the show notes contain um, all of the files which I created to simulate the many-to-many -many relationship uh, data definition language CSV comma separated values data to load into the three tables that we're going to create uh, load scripts uh, SQL scripts to select data to demonstrate how to select um, artists in given genres or supersets of genres and scripts for dumping those result sets to other CSV files. So have a good look at the show notes. It's very, very comprehensive. Uh, as I say, all of the files that I used in generating the example are there. Um, in each case, each file is topped and tailed with the string dash dash snip dash dash. This is because in a SQLite SQL command or query file uh, two dashes is begins a line comment so dash dash snip dash dash will not affect the uh, contents of the file the only example where you don't need that where you need to take out the dash dash snip dash dash will be in the CSV data files because of course you know you need the uh, data to be there on its own um, I've included a couple of artists which appear in more than one genre. Um, an Irish folk rock band called Horse Lips, which crosses from the description it, both into folk and rock. Uh, a Scottish band called Runrig that also belong in folk and rock. There are some artists there which belong only in rock a couple which belong only in folk and a couple of classical artists just for good measure and all of the mechanisms that you'll need to test or demonstrate the uh, the workings of a many-to-many -many relationship but to emphasize again this I've, I've written or I've been involved in the design and implementation of some quite large client server uh, Oracle and MySQL database systems and it's been my task to implement many-to-many -many relationships on several occasions and I can I have never found a better solution uh, that, than this a better solution that does not compromise normalization or lead to an even worse situation which is where you need to drag big record sets back across the network uh, probably containing records that you will ultimately drop because that's wasteful in bandwidth and it's wasteful in uh, client side processing cycles um, and as for doing things like putting comma separated lists of fields into a single column in a database oh no 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 don't do it it's bad you know who you are so there we are I've sort of concluded it's been a 
probably a difficult explanation to follow but look at the show notes because the show notes are very very comprehensive and as I said they, they contain a complete worked example implemented with SQLite 3 which despite being small and, and compact and fast is an exceptionally powerful RDBMS for, for its size and for its it's not even, uh, I don't think it's even GPL, it's just free. It's just in the public domain. It's free as a bird. Um, it's a very realistic, uh, very realistic tool. Don't use it if you intend to uh, write a relational database system which is going to have multiple concurrent users. If you're going to start an airline and have booking clerks all around the world, who need to access the database at the same time. SQLite ain't going to do it. Um, SQLite really is more suited to single user embedded systems or small uh, small one-off programs you know, embedded inside a software program for use by only the programmer or by only, only by use blah, blah, for use only by the person who is using the software at the time. In fact, there's one really good feature of SQLite, which is the ability to create a database in memory. That's a database that does not exist on disk. If you name the database colon memory colon, it exists only in memory, and then it's possible to de define tables and columns and relationships, perhaps into which to load the contents of a, an XML file or a bunch of XML files or JSON files or whatever in order to make blisteringly fast queries of configuration data which if it's changed in any way can then be dumped back out to an XML file at a later time. So I think that's it. Um, long and winded long-winded boring technical difficult to grasp just by listening to what I'm saying um, it's really one of those things where you're going to need to look at a diagram or peruse a, uh, at the very least a textual diagram in order to be able to understand exactly what these relationships are and exactly how the mechanism works but trust me this is as far as I can as far as my experience tells me, the only way in which to implement a many-to-many -many relationship in a relational database system. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hekka Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0.
Leader Toe License.